Hello, everyone. This is Raise Your Voice as part of the D-Raise Bay Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brett Rutherford, on a solo episode this week. Don't worry, there'll be more great guests very soon on the show. Um, But just doing this one solo, going to run through some of the news of the week and then talk a little bit about uh, my thoughts on Yoshi Tutsugo and his spot on the roster. Road trip, West Coast road trip this past week, which was kind of kicking my butt, staying up late watching those games. But ultimately, it turns into a really good week for the Rays. They go five and two, including a four game sweep of the Angels, who are having a really tough season. They sit at the bottom of the AL West, um, four and a half games off the lead. They're even below the Rangers, who have managed to uh, go 18 and 18 thus far. And then They uh, go up a little bit further north in the state of California to take on the Oakland A's um, who have like kind of been, I don't want to say rivals. Like I I don't think there's any tension between these two teams, Uh, but if you look at the Rays and the A's and their trajectory over the last few seasons, kind of been on par. And I always like when we play the A's, it's a good measuring stick. Remember a couple years ago, we played them in the wild card game and ultimately won. Um, But they're both teams that, are never really favored in the American league, but two teams that as the season kind of progresses, you always can count on to be in the mix. Uh, They do lose two out of three against the Oakland days who are in first place in the AL West. They have a two game lead over the Astros. And I I do think the A's will go on to win that division. The Astros will be up there definitely, uh, but the A's are a really solid ball team and uh, ultimately lose the season series against the Oakland days who, if you remember, uh, there was a, a four-game series split earlier on um, at the Trop. So that's the first season series that is out of the way, uh, which is always uh, nice to kind of just see how you do it. And like I said, th- those are two teams that are pretty evenly matched. Um, but you lose the series four to three, which is fine. Uh, ultimately, you look at that road trip, you finish the road trip on a win, uh, after a sweep of the Oakland uh, of the LA Angels, which was actually a five-game winning streak, if you look at the last game they won against Houston, you take that into an off day. You're back home. You've got the Yankees and Mets before you hit the road again to face the Orioles and Blue Jays. I'll talk about that Yankees series in just a second because the Yankees are playing much better baseball than the last time the Rays faced them. But I do want to go through some team news. There is more injuries uh, since the last time I was on here. Uh, Rich Hill has been activated. Um, Lewis had us kind of been, like I said, the yo-yo guy. He goes up and down, back and forth between what was the alternate training site, but is now AAA Durham. And I guess we'll talk about that a little bit too and what the Rays minor league affiliates have been up to in their first week of the season. The first games they've played since 2019, which is pretty crazy to think about. Um, Colin McHugh also came off the IL, but Michael Walker did go on the IL with right hamstring tightness. Um, really what that did to the pitching staff is it's, uh, making, uh, it's giving more innings to Rich Hill who had kind of been, I, I'll say this, like the group of veteran guys that the Rays brought in, um, Archer, Walker and Hill Archer has been on the IL for a, for a while now. And I'll, I'll, I'll talk a bit more about his situation in just a second. Um, but they, they haven't really had clear cut roles for this far into the season. They've started games. They've pitched behind openers. They've piggybacked off of each other especially as we've seen some of the younger guys come up like Brent Honeywell, Luis Patino, Shane McClanahan. Those guys get more integrated into the pitching staff. 
the veterans really haven't had clear-cut roles. And this is really kind of what we expected. At the beginning of the season, it was almost a traditional five-man rotation, despite that first trip through when you had Rich Hill and Chris Archer piggyback off of each other. Now their their roles are a little bit more unclear, and, and that was kind of made more so the case when Rich Hill came off the IL and then Michael Waka goes on the IL. Rich Hill is kind of expected to be more of a traditional starter, at least for the time being. You still got a couple of guys you can throw in as an opener ahead of him. Andrew Kittredge has had a couple of opens. Luis Patino, uh, I think he's going to make a traditional start this week. I don't know if that means he'll only go four innings, but he will be starting, I believe, against the Yankees. Um, Rich Hill has been been asked to to pitch in a, in a bigger role or a more, I guess, distinct role. And, and to be honest, he's pitched really well. He's still rocking a 5.17 ERA uh, at this point in the season through seven starts, but he's got a 3.98. Um, XFIP, and he's been worth 0.2 wins above replacement, which, again, doesn't mean a whole lot this earlier in the season. But if you look at his most recent games, he pitched three innings um, against the Astros, struck out four, walked one, only gave up one hit and no runs. And then uh, probably his most impressive outing of the season, although both of his outings against Oakland have been really impressive. You look at the one back on April 26th, went six innings, only two earned runs, 10 strikeouts, two walks, great outing. And then... Um, this most recent outing on the road, six innings pitched, four strikeouts, two walks, two hits, no earned runs, six shutout against Oakland. Uh, he, he hasn't given up a run in his last nine innings against uh, the uh, Astros and the A's. He's pitched really well. And that was after he got roughed up a little bit earlier on in the season. So he's he's pitching a lot better in his last three starts. And I don't know how long he's going to be asked to pitch in this role, um, but it shows kind of the true professional that he is. Um, for this pitching staff. And he came here and he said, I'm here to win. You know, he's 41 years old. He's going to be at some point the oldest pit, uh, pitcher in Rays history, I think. Uh, and he's here to win. He's not here to, to you know, make a next step in his career. He's when well, the next step in his career is to win at this point. He wants to win a championship. And he thought uh, the Rays were a really good fit to do that. And he's willing to play whatever role the team sees as, as the best role for him. And he's doing a good job of that. Um, G-Man Troy, I think we're getting really close to seeing him being activated. He has been in AAA Durham. I'll, I'll look up his numbers in just a second. Um, but when he gets activated, uh, originally I thought uh, before another injury that happened later this week um, that it was going to be the time that the Rays probably had to make a decision on Yoshi Tutsugo. They still might do that when it's time to activate G-Man. Um, whether that be for the start of this homestand or at some point later this week, because he, he has been in Durham and he does look good to go. Because um, Yoshi has been that left-handed first baseman for the Rays, and he still is is not really performing on this team. Let's just look at Yoshi's numbers real quick, and, and I'm going to talk about this in just a second. 167 batting average, 244 on base percentage, 31% K rate, and he's drawing a lot less walks. Um, but when G-Man gets activated, that could have been maybe it for Yoshi if the Rays were to um, option him or demote him to AAA. Yoshi has to accept that assignment. It was part of his contract. He was signed as a free agent. It was a two-year deal um, when, when he left Japan, but it was a complete free agent deal, which means there was some leeway in the contract. If he doesn't accept that demotion, um, he can be released from the contract. He still owed all of the money. Um, so it's really, I guess, the balls in Yoshi's court whenever that decision's made. Now, ultimately, he could start playing a lot better and earn 
his spot on the roster, but right now I do think it's in jeopardy. Um, the reason he could have some more time, however, is the injury of Kevin Kiermeyer. So he was injured over the weekend against Oakland, sliding into second base when uh, his, his wrist and kind of his fingers uh, were jammed as was one of the Oakland infielders' knee, as he was sliding into second base, um, just jammed it. Um, it, it. It was not one of those situations. And I know people can be really hard on Kevin Kiermeyer, and people have been really, really hard on Kevin Kiermeyer this season. Um, say that he's injury prone or he makes stupid plays. I mean, this would have hurt anybody. You know, he was just making a slide into a base and the, it was really bad timing as the player's knee kind of crushed his hand as it was sliding in, which which jammed it or sprained it. Um, so he's on the 10-day IL. Good news is Kevin Cash uh, came out and said that he was just sore and he was probably going to be sore for multiple days. So it was better to just throw him on the IL. There was no structural damage. He's not expected to miss an extended period of time. It could be just a 10-day stay for Kevin Kiermaier. Uh, and, and like we've talked about on this podcast a lot, I think with Manuel Margot and Brett Phillips, both guys who are more than capable of playing center field, I think they like Phillips out there more right now, uh, the Rays will be fine. And, and, and honestly, with the uh, offensive production, and maybe this is the argument against keeping Kiermaier on this team um, throughout this season and into next season, is that Phillips and Margot are kind of making up for it, and KK isn't. So if if you've got, I'm not going to say that Brett Phillips is as good as a defensive center fielder as Kevin Kiermaier, because I don't think he is, but if the bat is there, you're not really missing KK a whole lot. Um, the other injury, Francisco Mejia. Oh, real quick, before I move on to that. Yeah, basically, um, Kiermaier going on the IL keeps a spot for Yoshi, I think, for the time being. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe the Rays are ready to make a decision on him once G-Man's ready. Um, but technically, G-Man and Yoshi can coexist on this roster uh, with KK on the IL. Yoshi just provides another left-handed bat off the bench. The other injury uh, that I want to talk about is Francisco Mejia, who goes on with uh, the 10-day IL with left intercostal discomfort. Basically, he had trouble, not trouble breathing, but it was a little bit irritating uh, to breathe, he said. Uh, when he woke up one morning, uh, we did see Kevin Smith come up uh, even before Mejia went on the IL. And I think the Rays knew that they were going to probably have to place Mejia on the IL. They brought Smith up. I think they moved Yarbrough to the COVID vaccine list, which basically takes you off the 40-man roster, but there's no minimum stay. Uh, that allowed Kevin Smith to come up and then get uh, ultimately um, he was added to the 40-man roster then and stay on the 40-man roster when the Rays moved Chris Archer to the 60-day 60 60-day 60 IL. We'll talk about that in just a second. But Mejia, problem with his ribs, it sounds like this will be a short stay as well. Um, it's it, he, he had trouble breathing. And again, Cash saying, well, he's going to be not ready to play for at least a few days. So might as well let him rest on the IL, open up that roster spot, and and, and kind of fit the roster to what the team needs. Now, to keep Kevin Smith on the 40-man roster, uh, Chris Archer, yeah, he was moved to the 60-day IL. Um, basically, what that means, one, he's got some personal things going on. His mother passed away, which is which is really, really sad um, while he was on the IL. Um, and it, it sounds like the injury isn't worse. He was almost ready to come back. Um, but with the, the personal stuff, they're just going to give him more time. Uh, he's been shut down for a while now, so he needs to get ramped back up. 
uh, and the 60 day IL, the transfer to that, it doesn't mean that from the day he was moved to the 60 day that he has to sit out for 60 more days. Um, it's retroactive to when he was on the IL and he's been on the IL for a month or more now at this point, but probably close to over a month. Um, so that just extends that from when he was initially placed on the IL. So technically he would be eligible to come off pretty soon, I think. Um, but they're going to take their time with Archer, who's been shut down for a little while now. It needs to be built back up. Uh, it might change what his role is on the pitching staff, especially with how guys like Shane McClanahan and Luis Patino have pitched. I'm not sure what his role is going to be when he comes back. I don't know what 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 he's going to get built up to do. Um, I, I, at this point, I think that's that's to be determined. Um, but he was moved to the 60-day IL, and then ultimately for the last game at Oakland, Lewis Head was was recalled from AAA Durham. I think he'll probably be sent down again once G-Man Troy is ready to be activated. Again, the, the corresponding move for that is is to be determined. But that's really the the injury news. There is, I, th- I think, I don't know what other teams are dealing with in terms of numbers on the IL. But real quick, I'm going to run through the names that are on the IL for the Tampa Bay Rays. Francisco Mejia, G-Man Choi, Kevin Kiermeyer, Chris Archer, Yanni Torinos, Michael Waka, Nick Anderson, Jalen Beeks, Diego Castillo, Oliver Drake, Chris Mazza, Colin McHugh, Colin Pache, and Chaz Rowe. I don't even think I mentioned Diego Castillo, who goes on the IL with a strained groin. Not a whole lot of news for how much time he'll be missing. The, the good news, I guess, there is that Pete Fairbanks is ready to come back. He is now back in the bullpen. He is a high leverage pitcher. Um, the the a, Right now, I think the A and B bullpen, given the current makeup of the roster, is pretty set. You've got, uh, well, actually, the more I look at it, maybe not. Um, the high leverage guys are Jeffrey Springs, Ryan Thompson, Pete Fairbanks, and Andrew Kittredge, and they've been effective. Um, and then you've got a collection of other guys, Hunter Strickland, Colin McHugh, uh, Cody Reed, and Lewis Head's on the roster now. He's definitely not a high leverage guy. But Cody Reed, I think they're kind of getting ready to work him back into some more high leverage situations. And Hunter Strickland has pitched well, really, honestly, this this whole season. He's now got 14 innings pitched, a 1-2-9 uh, ERA, um, 9K per 9, 3.21 walks per 9. He's done really well. Uh, I think the Rays got a good one there in terms of the pitcher that they brought in with Hunter Strickland. Um, but so many players on the injured list um, and only a couple that are going to be coming back soon. Kiermaier, hopefully short stay. Mejia the same. Choi should be activated this week, uh, but we don't really know the timetable on Waka, uh, Maza, or McHugh. Uh, no, McHugh's back. He is listed twice on roster resource, once, once on the injured list and once on the active roster. That's a mistake from roster resource. But I'm going to talk a little bit more about the AAA Durham Bulls and a couple of the other raised minor league performances thus far. But first, you're going to take a quick break. So minor league baseball is back, which has been really fun to follow and even watch some of these games. It's something we missed last year. We had no clue what was going on in the alternate training site. Um, but got to talk about the Durham Bulls. What a team these uh, Durham has, at least for the start of this year, because I think a few of these guys are going to get plucked and ultimately replaced with other great prospects um, from the lower ranks of the Rays farm system. But got to start talking about Vidal Brujan. He's a 23-year-old um, infielder and outfielder now who is just off to a blazing hot start uh, at the AAA level. 
um, his first games in Triple A in 2019, he played at High A and Double A. Um, this year, through only 28 plate appearances, um, 571 on base percentage, a 1,000 slugging percentage. He's got four home runs and nine runs driven in already, and a stolen base. So he's got a WRC plus of 281, which uh, is just absolutely insane through the first six games of the season. Uh, if this power from Bruhan is real, and if they're using the same baseball that we're seeing at the major league level, which has had historically low offenses, Vidal Bruhan could force his way onto the major league roster sooner rather than later uh, for a couple reasons. One, because he's just hitting great, but two, he offers that positional versatility that the Rays love. He can play second base. He can play center field. I don't think the Rays view him as a shortstop anymore. I, th- I think it wouldn't when he was a lot younger, maybe he had shortstop potential, but he's probably a true second baseman in, the, in place of outfield as well. Uh, where he fits on the roster, I don't, I don't know. You've obviously got guys like Brandon Lau at second base, but your second baseman against lefties right now is Mike Brasso on some days. He can play other positions as well, and Brasso just hasn't been playing that well. Uh, that's another guy I think maybe his time on the big league roster might be limited from here on out, um, which sucks because he's had a couple great seasons where he, you know, he didn't get a whole lot of plate appearances, um, but obviously had the big moment against the Yankees last year. But he's got a 241 on base percentage, 31.6K rate. Like He is not hitting particularly well. Again, not getting the consistent at-bats that I think he probably needs at this point. Um, and he should have options left, I'm pretty sure. I don't think they would have to to DFA him. Yeah, he's got three options left. So technically the Rays could go ahead and, and option him if they feel like that's necessary. And if Adal Bruhan keeps playing like this, that might be the case uh, because he is playing some great baseball right now. But looking at some of the other guys on that AAA roster, obviously Wander Franco, uh, 304 batting average, 385 on base percentage. He has got a couple home runs, I believe himself. Yeah, he's got two. Um, off to a great start, and uh, he he, had, he skipped double-A. So remember, he played high A in 2019, didn't have a season last year. He probably would have been a double-A and probably triple-A at some points last season. Was on the taxi squad even well into the postseason um, for the big league team, um, but off to a great start at triple-A. A couple other guys um, that are doing well there. We've got Kevin Padlow with four home runs now. We've already seen him. At the big league level, I don't know if he, he's going to get back into the big leagues at some point this year. Uh, really just depends on, on on health and a couple of other things. Josh Lowe has got three home runs, another center field guy um, that we could see at some point. Again, maybe he that would be uh, after the trade of somebody. Like I said, you've got three guys you're probably comfortable with in center field. So don't know what Josh Lowe's outlook looks like for this year. But Ke- uh, Vidal Bruhan's the guy to keep watching. I think um, just because if he continues to play this way, the Rays might not have a choice. Like <laughs> I say that with all honesty, it's like you've got to find a way to get him into the big leagues, uh, but really good stuff. I think from those are just the hitters. I, I haven't even looked at the pitchers for Durham and I, we could talk about some of the other, some of the other levels as well. Um, but let me just go ahead and pull up the you know the Bulls pitching stats. I only have hitting up right now. Um, and let me get qualifiers out of there. Um, let's look real quick. Yeah, Chris Ellis struggled through his first two starts, but Drew Strotman has looked really good. Um, he had five strikeouts and five shutout innings. He did walk four. Uh, Joe Ryan looked good, nine strikeouts and five shutout innings and no walks. So 
maybe he's another guy that you need to look at. He was the Rays like minor league pitcher of the year back in 2019 uh, when he had a really great season in high A and a little bit in double A as well. Um, off to a good start in triple A through through one start. So, yeah, but it's fun. It's fun looking at more than just the Rays box score, especially when you have the Rays who have the best farm system in baseball and they're coming off an American League championship. It's like, yeah, these guys are doing great. Where's the room for them on the roster? Uh, ultimately, if they play well enough, they're they're going to get called up. It's just a matter of when and, and who kind of moves off the roster to make that possible. Um, we're going to take one more quick break, and then I'm going to raise my own voice a little bit about Yoshi Tsutsugo. All right, here we go. Time to raise my own voice. Usually this is the segment where I, I let my guests do the talking, but uh doing a solo show today. So talking a little bit about Yoshi Tsutsugo, a guy that was brought in as a free agent last year, was one of the more shocking moves, I think, of last offseason or two offseasons ago, I should say. Um, that's even when we traded um, Tommy Pham and Matthew Libertor and Emilio Pagan. Uh, and then this past offseason, we traded Blake Snell. Even then, like bringing in Yoshi on a two-year deal as a free agent uh, was a bit of a shocker. And last year, despite the 197 batting average and the below average WRC plus at 98, I was I really liked Yoshi. I thought he deserved um, some more plate appearances, some more consistent playing time. And this year, I thought he was going to get it. And this year, I thought he was going to make the most out of it. Uh, but he's been worse. Uh, his on-base percentage last year, 314. Dropped down to 244 this year through 87 plate appearances. No home runs yet for Yoshi, which is like kind of the reason he's in the lineup. Last year he had eight. This year he's got a goose egg in that category. A 218 slugging percentage. According to Fangrass, he's already had negative 0.5 wins above replacement. A 40 WRC plus, which basically means he is 60%. He's hitting 60% worse than league average. He's striking out 31% of his plate appearances. Just not a great start for Yoshi. He's played in 26 games. He's got 87 plate appearances. We saw him start at the top of the lineup when the season began um, to really not playing much at all anymore. And when he is in the lineup, it's usually seventh or eighth in the lineup. So I don't know what the Rays are going to do with Yoshi Tutsugo. At this point, and you just saw it with the Angels and Albert Pujols. I know there's, there was some other stuff that played into that and the, their decision to release him. But at this point, you already owe Yoshi the money, right? Whether you keep him on the roster or not, he's getting paid that money. Now, if you want to demote him or send him down to AAA and he accepts that assignment, right? Perfect. He can get consistent at-bats down there. He can work on the things he needs to work on and maybe play a role later on in the season. Uh that would be, I think, the best case scenario for the race if they decide to send him down. Um, if not, say he refuses the assignment, goes back to Japan, takes his money. All right, that's you know that's just a, a, a what ends up being a bad two-year deal for the race. It's not the first time we've seen them have these free agent signings that flop. Uh, you saw it with Pat Burrell. You saw it with Grant Balfour. Um, it, it's not the end of the world. It would be disappointing. It would be a very disappointing stint in him for in the United States, which which really sucks for Yoshi uh, coming over from Japan. He was one of the best hitters in Japan. And just not not working out for him in the U.S. Maybe another team takes a takes a shot at him. 
who knows? Or maybe he goes back to Japan because he's still got uh, definitely, uh, you know, he's only 30 years old, I think, or just about to turn 30. Plenty of baseball left in him, whether that be in the United States or, or somewhere else. Um, but I, I do think it's time that the Rays make a decision. Um, maybe even that's when, with, with G-Man coming back. You've got guys in AAA, like I said, like a Vidal Brujan, that can play, I think, meaningful innings for the Rays this year. I think it's time to make that decision. Whether or not he accepts the assignment or not, I think it's time to to send him down or release him. I don't see if it, if it hasn't worked out yet because he did get the at bats early on in the season. He was given the leadoff spot where I do think we're we're going into the season. I thought that's where he belongs. He works counts. He gets on base at a high rate even when he's not hitting. He draws walks. Just wasn't working out for whatever reason. He he signed at a, at a at a really weird time, right? He got to the U.S. ready for spring training. All of a sudden, global pandemic. He goes back to Japan. Doesn't really know when the major league season is going to start. If there is going to be a major league season, comes back in the summer. Last year's you know in last year's sixty game season was just such a weird year that he couldn't get the that the, that that playing time that he probably needed. Those consistent at bats. Um, so. Hopefully it works out for him either once he goes back down to AAA or wherever he goes. But right now, I do think it's time for the Rays to make that decision. Maybe he gets a few more few more games in while Kiermaier's on the IL. But if it were me, I would bring back Troy and maybe even think about giving Vidal Brujan that spot on the roster. Uh, it really depends on whether or not you think the plate appearances are available for him or if it's better for him to keep hitting in Durham for the time being. Um, but I think the time has come and it's, it's sad, but hopefully things work out the best for the Rays and the best for Yoshi. Uh, who knows? Maybe he comes out this week against the Yankees and goes on a tear and stays alive for a little bit longer. Uh, but as things stand right now, I think it's time for the Rays to make a decision on Yoshi Tsutsugo. So looking ahead real quick before we wrap things up to the series against the Yankees and the Mets. The Yankees have played a lot better baseball. Uh, technically, we're tied in the ALE standings right now. We've got one more in the win column and in the loss column, but we're both three and a half games back from the Boston Red Sox. Uh, the Rays have dominated this year thus far against the Yankees in the season series. This is our third of six series against the Bronx Bombers. Um, we took two out of three at home and then swept them in New York. So we lead that season series five to one. Three games coming up. Luis Patino versus Jordan Montgomery on Tuesday. Josh Fleming versus Garrett Cole on Wednesday. And Rich Hill versus Jameson Tyon on Thursday. Now, I really would say that I like the Yankees in the Garrett Cole matchup more than anything else. But the Rays have had some uh, success against Garrett Cole, especially if G-Man Troy is back in the lineup, who is like the best hitter in the big leagues against Garrett Cole. I really like us against Jordan Montgomery, even though we've struggled against left-handed pitching as of late. With the way Rich the way Rich Hill has been pitching, and I know the Yankees lineup is going to be a little bit more difficult for him to navigate. Um, I like the Rays in that matchup too. It should be a good series. A series win is not guaranteed by any means, um, but the Rays bats have started to come alive. They quieted down a little bit in Oakland, uh, which is a tough park to hit in. Back at the Trop, let's see what they can do. I'm I'm kind of. I'm not expecting a series win because, you know, one game, I think the Cole game is going to be really tough. And if one of the other games goes pear-shaped, you know, the Yankees take two out of three, but not the end of the world because then you have the New York Mets coming into town this weekend. You're going to see Tyler Glass now again. 
Uh, you're going to see Shane McClanahan again, who's pitching very well. Right now, he's scheduled to go up against Jacob DeGrom, which I do think is going to be really tough, probably tougher than the Garrett Cole matchup for the Rays. Um, historically, I don't know if there's anything behind this, though the Mets do not hit very well uh, when Jacob DeGrom is on the mound. So hopefully that's the case again against the Rays this weekend. Then Ryan Yarbo versus Marcus Stroman. I think you got six games here. Realistically, you want to win three. I know you're at home, so you want to take more than that. But a three and three split here, I think when you're facing Garrett Cole and Jacob DeGrom, probably the two best pitchers in their respective leagues at this point, the two best pitchers on the planet, uh, is realistic to, to try to just split these six games, the six-game homestand before going back on the road. And it's probably not what race fans want to hear when we're trying to win the AL East again this season. But we're 19 and 17 at this point. Still only three and a half out from Boston, who's playing exceptionally well. I think they'll cool down a little bit. Uh, a th- th- three out of six is, is not the worst thing that could happen. That is going to do it for this week's episode of Raise Your Voice. Thank you guys for listening. As always, make sure to head on over to DRaceBay.com to check out all of the great race coverage. We'll have more great guests back on the podcast very soon. I hope my voice didn't bore you too much, uh, but that's going to do it. Thank you guys for listening. I'll talk to you next week. Thank you.